This is a Dude Studios production. And hey, I'm the Dude. I want to take a second to talk about the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped.com. It contains the Lawnmower 4.0, an all-new skin-safe electric trimmer, the Weed Whacker, ear and nose hair trimmer, Crop Reserver, anti-chafing ball deodorant, Crop Reviver, ball spray toner, Magic Mats, disposable shaving mats. It also contains two free gifts, the Shed, which is a travel bag to keep everything in, and Manscaped Boxers, anti-chafing boxers. Go to manscaped.com right now and use promo code HEYBARTENDER at checkout and get 20% off your entire order plus free shipping. You can't beat that. 20% off plus free shipping. It's coming up on Christmas time. It would be the perfect gift for that man in your life. Or if you just need it for yourself, just so you can feel a little bit better, a little bit more secure, go to manscaped.com and use promo code HEYBARTENDER to get 20% off plus free shipping. Go there today. Hello, this is Rob Rossi, and I work at the International Bar, and you guys are listening to A Bartender. Hey, bartender. The message you sent me on uh, on Instagram that she said you uh, grew up in Hell's Kitchen immediately my my head went to I wonder if he's met Mount Matt Murdock you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so we we can talk we can talk about bars I got some stories for you I, I I can tell you about the first time some guy walked in with a gun and I took the gun out of his hand and put it on the thing and it had no bullets but the customer. That was in the bar, totally business hands. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just get things started here. Are you comfortable? Are you ready to, you ready to go? Uh, welcome to Hey Bartender Podcast. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you for getting in touch with me. Hey, how you doing, brother? Um, I'm Rob Rossi. I'm right now working in the East Village at the International Bar located in 1st Avenue, New York City. Um I'm also, um, I've been bartending for over 25 years, and um, pretty much, what, what do you want to talk about? We can sit down here, talk shop, we can do whatever we want, but hey, let's roll with the hey bartender, let's see what we got. So. <laughs> awesome. So, yeah, as you probably heard on uh, the podcast that Christina, because uh, uh, for my listeners out there, uh, Christina, from our my last episode, or a couple episodes ago when I posted this, uh, let you know about Hey Bartender Podcast, and you're gracious, uh, gracious enough with your time to be on my show. You probably already heard that I insist at the beginning of the show that the bartenders give us the drink special for the show. So uh, if you'd give us a drink special, please. One of, so one of our drink special that we've known in the East Vegas for, we got a, a Bud or a Bud Light with a shot of Evan Williams for eight bucks all the time and three dollar bud and bud light all the time in the east village which is a great deal for because you know you're a poor college kid you can come down hang out 20 bucks you get pretty drunk it's a great deal for everyone and um pretty much we're like a beer shot but we make like we can make like a pretty good old-fashioned we make margaritas you know we can make hot tollies you know it's Mm -hmm. whatever we have we can probably put together and make whatever you you can think of before we started recording you were starting to talk talk about your margaritas Oh, I make, uh, I got a signature margarita. Very simple. This is margarita. I sell, I probably sell like 20, 30 margaritas a day. Very simple. Mm-hmm. Margarita is just tequila, triple sec, 
and fresh lime juice. That's it. That's People it. put a little bit of sour mix. No, OJ, no. It's three ingredients. Tequila, triple sec, fresh lime juice, and it's a perfect, wonderful margarita. Now, uh, do you blend that, or you just leave it on the rocks? No, nah, I just put it on the rocks, shake it, soap if you want it, whatever you mm. need. You know, it's very simple ingredient, and it's a delicious, refreshing drink. Especially after you worked all day, you're sweating, you want to go to a bar, talk to your buddy, sit down. Can I get a margarita? You drink that margarita, and right away you're in the beach. <laughs> <laughs> nice. When people talk about margaritas my or daiquiris, my mind automatically goes to trying to think of an excuse that the blender's broken or something. <laughs> <laughs> I can, I'll tell you a funny story. So the reason I learned, so when the first time I ever bartended, uh, so I was a busboy, right? And one day the bartender didn't show up and the owner told me, can you bartend because the bartender's not coming in today? So I did whatever. And I was bartending. And the first customer that came in goes to me, can you make him, Can you make me a glass of margarita? And I go, sure. So I grab a shot of tequila and put a Corona. Here, here's your margarita. <laughs> <laughs> did they uh, Did they complain or did they just take it with a smile? I took him with a smile and he's still my customer <laughs> today. <laughs> Very cool. And this is 25 years ago. He's yeah. still coming. He said, get a margarita. Oh, you want a real one or you want your margarita? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So you've, you've been in the service industry for a long time. Yeah. When did you start? I mean, before even before bartending. Pretty much, I started like in 1990. Like I was a, I was pretty much a bar back in some places. I worked a little bit at Webster Hall. I worked at the Ritz. I worked in some places, just bar, you know, at the bar back in it. I watched people, and then I got this this bar in the in this uh, in Hell Kitchen, not that far from my apartment. That um is no longer around. But um, I learned everything there, and I worked there for a long time. It was, like, crazy. And um, I just remember, like, like in the – I don't know if you remember in the 90s where they had that whole Wall Street, everything rushed, and people were just putting down credit cards. And yeah. people was – it was a whole different – a good bartender could make – like, you could make, like, $1,000 in a day almost back in the day. With it Because it was – that's psychotic. People were going in there, buying rounds for the friends, just that. It was insane how, how the business was. And now it's so much different because now you struggle just to make some money now. It's so, it's so much different. I still make good money, but it's not like that early, like from the 90s to like, to to like from the 90s to like 97, it was insane. Mm-hmm. You know, people would come to sports, but people would come with friends and, and spend money and, and it's crazy now, you know? Now you've uh, uh, bartended over three decades, uh, you know, through at least three decades. <laughs> And yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry to make you feel old or anything like that, but uh, nah, I'm fine with that. But uh, you've probably seen a lot of changes with like the client, oh uh, the client base, or habits. Uh, uh, what What's that like? Because I only uh, bartended between '99 and 2008, and that was pretty much set right where it was. But you've seen like culture changes. You've seen fashion changes. You know, well, what was that like? Like, it's like an evolution. Like, you know, you started with, like, when the first bar worked there was, like, a lot of construction workers. And they would come in. You know what? They'll come in. Like, we will open, like, at 10 in the morning. They will come in, and they come in, and they'd have lunch, and then they go back to work. Then they come back in at 12, and you had to have all the beers ready at night, and you just pour in beer, pour in beer, pour in beer. 
then at five o'clock the whole atmosphere would change. It was more like the like you know, like the like the Wall Street guys, these other people that would come in there. So it was a totally different vibe. And then that changed where the Wall Street people died died off. That you had like more like kind of more like yuppies coming around ordering strange drinks and you're like, This is what what are you ordering here? What do you want? And it was it got very weird until the time that um Later on, the boss put like a frozen margarita machine and that thing was setting like crazy. I thought it was crazy that to sell frozen margarita. We were selling frozen margarita at six bucks. We had like $2 uh, PVR. And the customer, the customer changed, man, during the year. Like, like when I, when I worked the Hell Kitchen, at one point, all I was dealing, all I was selling uh, drinks to was like to pimps and, and hookers <laughs> that would come in there from the cold that would walk, hey, can I use your bathroom? Here's a beer. And, it was so strange. Now, like now, it's a lot of like neighborhood people, a lot of kids. Like in the East Village, especially it's a lot of kids, mm-hmm. a lot of college kids from NYU. You know this, and they just here. They just want to be out and you know listen, talk to the friends. But the industry has definitely changed. Like like when we went to bars, we went there to go pretty get drunk and then go to the club. Mm-hmm. Now people go to the bar and they just stay there for a long period of time and drink, drink, drink. It's pretty surprising how some people stay there. Or you got the kind of customer, like the soccer crowd is always weird. Soccer, soccer really? Yeah, the soccer crowd is like, they're professional at drinking two beers. One beer in the first half, a second beer in the second (laughs) half. And that's still, they have two beers and they nurse it, they drink it. But you know what? It's better to have something and you know something and nothing. So I, I don't mind it. But um, it, it's just it's just so that like you get the football crowd. Those people are savages. They drink, drink, drink. You get the baseball crowd, the basketball. It's it's like everybody's so different, and it depends where you have you know. But the evolution of people coming to ball has changed. Like like it started with the caveman, and now everybody's like pretty nice, and people got nicer through the year. The one thing that I have seen. People got a lot nicer, especially when New York changed from being very like, you know, like it was kind of murky, dark, and it was very dangerous. Once New York changed, the guy, you got like a whole different kind of people here. Because you know what's the problem with New York? Mm. There's no more New Yorkers. Everybody's from everywhere else except New York. Oh, okay. So did that happen around the time where they started cleaning up Times Square and all that? That happened by the time, and they got very gentrified. Like, the East Village used to be punk rockers, this and that, and, <laughs> and you were bartending here. You, you, and all you were doing were, were um, musicians, artists, you know, you know, artists and musicians. Yeah. And then, I don't know, where the rents got so expensive, all these guys moving, you got this whole, like, like anytime I check an ID, especially in New York City, people are either from California, Minnesota, or... Washington. Mm. It's amazing. Like yeah. it's amazing. Like nobody's from here anyway. Anytime I check out ID, I get people from Texas and then then through the year you see people been living here long enough that they finally get their New York City ID. But it's it's amazing how many I see IDs from everywhere. It's like if you're a college kid and you're here just for the semester, of course you're not gonna get a New York City ID, you know? Right. So um yeah, I the there I mean New York is like the uh, it's the place that I see, I've seen the most changes of in the United States over the last 25 years. But uh, before we get into all those changes, I want to ask a few questions about Hell's Kitchen, uh, just because I only know about Hell's Kitchen because of movies, TV shows. 
and Daredevil comics. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, is, so is any of that true, or is it all fabricated? So back in the day, Hell's Kitchen was a very dangerous area, especially Times Square. Because Times Square was when you went to Forty Second Street, like like you you will you will go. There used to be an arcade called Playland. You would go to Playland and you play video games. And there was the place if you wanted to get a fake ID to go to the sex club, he would get yeah. a fake ID for five bucks put whatever they they go to like the triple triple show the triple the triple threat theater, which was a it was show world where there was all kind of nude women in there. You were like them, you would go into the booth for the corner, the the window would come and the woman <laughs> it was incredible. And um like I always tell people, forty seconds see if you started from from eighth avenue to seventh avenue you could get drugs, you could get laid, and you could probably catch a disease by the time you walk through 7th <laughs> Avenue. That crazy time. And they have movie theater. It was a whole. Now, what is Times Square? It's Disneyland. It's right. very, everything's Broadway, Disneyland. You know, it's not like, it's not grinding. So um, Hell's Kitchen really went through this transformation that it's clean, it's Disney. But you know what happened to Hell's Kitchen with, I still say, if the Westie, if the if the Westie knew what was going on, it's pretty much it's it's pretty gay now. It's like there's more gay clubs and stuff than anywhere else right now. It's very different. Hell's Kitchen. It's yeah. not like it used to be. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. New York changes and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. It's crazy. Like I would have never thought twenty years ago that oh my God, there's so many gays here. It's crazy. <laughs> But this is how it changed. It's just the evolution of, of I guess, of health culture or the evolution of a neighborhood. It's, but it's, it's like changed overnight. Like, people just come and, you you know, they open one gay bar, then you saw another gay bar, and I say, who happened to health culture? Like, my, my, my parents still live in health culture. They just can't believe the transformation, you know? Uh, uh, do you, would you think it's kind of for the better though? Because you you were talking about the health kitchen was dangerous back then. Is there's that? Is there much danger there now? It's not what it used to be. You know what? There's still crime, like anything else. There's sure. always going to be a crime. Stuff is always going to happen. But um, it's a lot safer than it was like 20 years ago. The only now, the only thing that that's happening now with a whole pandemic, and we're like, you know what? Now cops are really don't want to go out there and do the job because they're getting filmed and stuff. It's getting a little dicey, but it's still nowhere like in the nine, like in the 80s or 90s. Like you had the crack, crack, uh, crack epidemic. You had a lot of heroin addicts. You had the pimps. Before I would, when I used to go, I remember being very young and looking out my window and seeing like the prostitutes in the corner and there were cars lined up, driving around, yeah. picking up the hookers, dropping it off. That another one. It was incredible the stuff I would see as a kid. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I've never been uh, been to New York myself, but uh, I've met. With this podcast, I've met a handful of bartenders that uh, out there, and you guys are all really awesome. Um, I well changed that. I've been to New York, but I was working on wind turbines in Rochester, and that's nowhere near where you're at. But no, but uh, my sister talks about when she went to Times Square, and she uh, they my her and her family uh, took a trip out there to go see Hamilton, and she's like. You know, once you come out of the subway, it's just like it is in the movies. I mean, you see the big Coca-Cola yeah. sign and everything's so grand. Uh, but I keep thinking of the movie Payphone, or I think it was Payphone, uh, with uh, Colin Farrell and, uh, Ooh, yeah, uh, and you know, he's out in front of a adult uh, adult arcade 
on a uh, on a payphone, yeah. and you know you got your pimps, you got your hose all 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 over the place. But my sister says that's all gone, and it's uh, gone. Uh, everything's a lot safer there. And she, yeah, she went nuts going to you know she wanted to go see Wicked, she wanted to go see Hamilton. Do you get many tourists that just came out of that at your bar? You know, because Broadway is like, huge no, right I'm, now. Like, yeah, like I don't work in the health kitchen no more. I'm working down in the East Village now. But when I did, and you know what, you always get people. Like a lot of people will, um, they will go to the bar, right, have a drink, and then they will go to the Broadway show. That's where a lot of people we got where people go to Broadway shows movie theater, because it was like Times Square is all about entertainment, you know, you, where you work out there, people will, oh, let's grab a few drinks, and oh, we're going to see, like, when, when I was working at Health Kitchen, Cats, the play Cats was still there, the Winter Garden Theater, they had Cats, um, yeah. you had, um, you had um, Bring On The Noise, you had all these plays, and people would just come, you know, people would have dinner, grab a drink, and then they would go to a Broadway place, especially, like, on Wednesday. And Saturday, you got a little bit more people because you had the matinees, like the two o'clock. So people will come early and they'll get you a drink and then they go to the show. So you got a lot of that. But, but um, you know, you would tell once once people came in that you know they weren't from here. Like, you know, these guys are not from here. Like, right away, you knew, like, cause a lot of people come to New York for Broadway. Sure. Like, now, you know what? Broadway is coming back slowly. It's not like it was a few years ago, but it's coming back with, like, with the pandemic and the whole thing, you know, it's very different now, you know, mm-hmm. everything was shut down and it's opening up and God forbid, there's another wave, you know? Mm-hmm. So do you get many tourists in the East village then? The East village, we get a lot of tourists. People just want to come there to see the East village. It's like, it's like, you know, it's a very well known neighborhood. Like we got like Metsori. Some people go to Metsori. Some people go to go to the, the horseshoe bar, um, base act seven B. Because a bunch of movies were shot there, like Crocodile Dundee was shot there, uh, Godfather Part Two, The Godfather. They also shot the Jessica Jones. It was a uh, Luke Cage bar in um in um in the Jessica Jones, and it was the bar that got blown up. And yeah. you saw that they were saying it's no kitchen, but it was a deep village. So people come around because there's so much stuff. There's also like museum. There's, 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 there's so much thing for people to do. You got Thompson Square Park. Hey, people just come just for all the different, um, they have, there's a lot of galleries, like art galleries. So people just come from all over the place to check out, you know, the East Village. And they go, they go to see like where the CBGBs used to be, um, of, um, Maxis, all these places that are gone. Because when, 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 when I was down here, it was all music, man. It was a lot of punk rock. There was like the um, Continental had show. You had Kenny Castaway. You had CBGB. You had um, you had Max, and all these places where people would come and see shows. And that's kind of something that East Village has lost. There's not too many venues now, so people can play. There's still venue, but it's not like it was, like let's say, 15 years ago. You know? Yeah. So you've been a bartender for a long time, and it's uh you were kind of it's from what you told me it sounds like you were kind of just thrown behind the bar you were just they said just go back there now uh your your first experience with the margarita just give them a corona and a uh and a shot of tequila how long did it take you to start catching on on drinks and stuff like that or did you already know them uh you know what like if somebody asked for vodka soda it's pretty much vodka soda so everything is pretty much a jack and coke everything 
It's when they start using like a rusty nail or let me get this or old fashioned. Then you start looking up. Like that was very easy for somebody to pick it up because you could go on the internet and just get mm. the mixes. Back in the day, there was a book called <laughs> over like over a thousand cocktails. And it was a big book yeah, that I had most that book. bar had. Yeah. <laughs> and you would go <laughs> You open the book, okay, let me see what's in there. And it, and it was incredible. This this is the evolution of bartending from a book to now I can go on my phone. So people come in, let me get a, a green tea shot, which is like, like Jameson and and a bunch of other crap in there. So it can taste, it tastes like a green tea. It's good. Um, You know, but or a surfer on acid, which is like, it's like Jaeger, pineapple, and some other. Like people ask all kind of crazy stuff all the time, and you look at them like, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> well, yeah, that's something that bartenders kind of have to get used to because, uh, you know, there. I've always said that there's a thousand different drinks made a thousand different ways, named a thousand different yeah. things. So, like, yeah. just the simple shot of butter shots and Bailey's. You got uh, yeah. slippery nipple. You got the cowboy cocksucker. You yeah. got you know, it's got dozens of names. And you just kind of have to pay well, like attention. Like a mudslide, a mudslide also, you know, it's yeah. like, it's very simple stuff. But, but you know what, so many, it's like, I, I still remember the one day this girl come in, can I get a skinny bitch? All right. What is a skinny bitch? <laughs> it's just a vodka with Diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, that uh, that's a new one for me. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was like, what? <laughs> but, um, it, it, it's very funny. Uh, well, uh, one, uh, a couple podcasts ago, I, uh, I mentioned to somebody, I, uh, one of my customers came in and asked for a 14, you know what a 14 is? I have no idea what a 14 is. It's a seven and seven. Seven and seven. All That's right. All. <laughs> so, it's, uh, it's, so it's secret seven with, um, seven up. Yeah. And I, he, I think he thought he was being clever by calling it a 14, yeah, but yeah. I got screwed up uh, a lot of the times with my customers. I wonder if you went through the same thing because uh, most of the people would come in and ask for just vodka crayon, uh, rum and Coke. But there would be some of those customers that would use the old-timey, old-fashioned uh, oh, yeah. names. Like I really messed up an order one time and upset the customer for a little bit when I got Tom Collins wrong. And I think I put, like, whiskey and sour mix. And I guess it's wrong. <laughs> Yeah, Tom Collins was something that got so famous at one point that they had a Tom Collins mix on the gun that you would just put whatever and then you put the Tom Collins mix on because it was so popular. It's the same thing like some people might come out, oh, let me get a Cuba Libre. And you're like, what the hell's a Cuba? It's just a rum and coke with a lime. Yeah. That's the only difference. It, or you'll get somebody that, let me get a Greyhound. It's like vodka with grapefruit. You know, like people come with it. It's like, like you got a fourteen, I get I get a double seven, which is a seven and seven. Double seven. Think I get a double seven. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's the same thing like a martini. When people ask for a martini, the original martini is made with gin. Mm-hmm. So I always ask people, "Do you want a gin martini yeah. or a vodka?" Because now vodka has taken over, but it used to be a gin martini. If you were going to get a martini, it was gin. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. I uh, they taught me that because I went to a bartending school. Uh, most it, I learned a hundred drinks, maybe remember ten of them when I left. And, but the, mostly the reason why I was there because they had job placement assistance, and I had this really awesome teacher that warned us about things like that. Like somebody uh, will 
somebody will ask for uh a like uh, some of the drinks that you just talked about and it's you know all it is just rum and coke just put a lime on it and uh it you know it's just simple things and sh- uh people call it different things like but her favorite story to tell was always she didn't allow swearing in her bar ever if you swore you got kicked out for the night um and but the only time you could swear is when you ordered an AMF and there was one guy who took pride in it. I would like an adios motherfucker. And that, cause that he knew that was the, the loop that he could get through to be able to swear in the bar. <laughs> but that's uh, pretty funny. <laughs> but, um, you, uh, you said you've worked at four different bars. I worked at, I worked at bar none for a long time. And then we were all, when they opened a sister bar, boss street, I went to boss street. I also ran a bar called cheap shots. That was pretty good back in the days. I worked in cheap shots for a while, and now I work at international. Yeah, and uh, and being in the East Village, do you get uh, they since they film a lot of stuff in New York? Uh, do you get hit? Uh, does your business get hit uh, every once in a while because Will Smith's filming a movie just two blocks down, and they had to block off the whole you know four block radius? No, like we don't get like we don't get blocked. A lot of times when they do something like that, you know what happened? A lot of the people that are working on the cast or things, they'll come and have a drink. You know, oh. like go for lunch and have a few quick drink and you know, I don't want to say too much, but a lot of those guys wind up coming in and then the regulars get in, you know, and and they, and they hang out cuz it was funny, um, an international. I did a I did a body good film for the chef, the Indian version of chef. I did a Bollywood film and I'm in the movie as the bartender oh, serving cool. this guy, this Indian guy. It's pretty funny, man. He's like the prince in India. Who, I never forget some Indian customer. Oh, I know you. You very, very famous guy. You <laughs> said, I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? And the guy says, Chef, Chef, what the? And the guy just opened up his phone and he showed me the scene. Oh, oh yeah, that we filmed that. I- Three years ago, it was pretty funny, but I had no idea that I had Indian people, just random Indian people, just come in there and have <laughs> drinks. It was so funny. You got, you had a chance to be in a movie and uh, it small part, but somebody picked you out of the crowd. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> it was very funny because it. But this guy's like a real famous guy in India. I, I don't even know the guy's name because I'm like, all right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> I was uh, I was in Horseshoe Bar a few years ago, the Seven B, and I'm sitting. And a buddy of mine goes to me, oh, man, that looks like Scarlett Johansson. And I look at, oh, that's not Scarlett Johansson. But I knew it was Scarlett Johansson, but I didn't want to tell him because he would have gone there and, like, start talking and would have messed the whole thing up. So I said, no. So when she had her drink cause, um, and got her tattoo because they all got a tattoo. They used to, they, uh, they used to be Isaiyang, the tattoo parlor across the street from, um, from the horseshoe bar. So everybody would go there. And he, this guy will bring all the actors, like Bruce Willis, a bunch of actors that drank them. But you really can't tell the customers that, oh, this actor is here. Because then they're like, yeah. you don't want them to be bothered. You want yeah. them to be able to have a drink and hang out. Like an international, Steve Buscemi been to international a bunch of times drinking. Yeah. You know? And most of the actors try to uh, go incognito. They want to just have a nice, quiet drink. So you don't want to drag too much attention to them. And no. Even though I probably wouldn't stop staring at Scarlett Johansson, uh, but, uh, but that that uh, I don't I don't have much experience uh, having famous people in my bar. 
I live vicariously through you, uh, all of my guests that on my show because they a lot of you guys have met famous people. Sounds like you've got a large you've had uh, you've met a lot of people. I mean, I met a, it's just being you know being these visits you'd be surprised like um, Jeffrey White puts in my bar one day they're just drinking and he's a Buffalo fan. I had some other people. Um, um, Ted, the guy that played Ted Lasso, I forgot his name. He was in my bar because with his softball team. Yeah, I, I forget and the guy's they, name, but I, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, um, Sikasa, whatever. He got a weird name, but um, even in my bar, like uh, Olivia Wilde was in my bar a few times. Okay. So I see uh, people like that. I have a huge and, crush um, on her the, too. The, <laughs> you know what's the funny thing? They'd be in there, and other people don't even notice that they're in there because they're very like. But you look at them, and you're like, oh, I know who this is. Yeah. <laughs> You don't make the scene. You just serve them, and you know they don't go on their way. You know they just hang in there. They're, you know they're human beings. They want their little peace and quiet. They want to have a nice drink. They don't need to be harassed all the time. Yeah. Hey, Mint Mobile has reimagined the wireless shopping experience and made it way easier. There's no stores, no salespeople, no nonsense. Just a huge savings on the nation's largest, most reliable 5G network. With plans as low as $15 a month, you have unlimited talk, unlimited text, and you can find the perfect data plan that suits you. You can even bring your old phone if you're still used to it. Or if you want to get rid of your old phone and upgrade, Mint Mobile has a large selection of phones for you to choose from. Just follow the link for Mint Mobile in the description of this podcast. Check out the plans and the opportunities for you to save some money with your new wireless service. Go to mintmobile.com today. Hey, bartender. So you uh, you you worked in New York during the the big shift where they uh, cleaned up Times Square, and but uh, for some reason I want to I want to talk about uh, September 11th now. Uh, I had a friend who was living uh, living in New York when that happened. Not too, he was working for an advertising company not too far away from uh, the Twin Towers. Um, uh, how did that affect you? Um, let me tell you, that was a crazy day. I was running late to work, and um, I'll never forget. I, I went and um, I was getting coffee from Starbucks to bring to some of the guys at work, and I'm and I remember I saw. Somebody say, oh, man, a plane just hit the World Trade Center. What? A plane just hit the World Trade Center. I said, what? So I'm thinking small plane. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it was a small plane, whatever. And it's like, man, like, how the hell did that happen? What what could have happened at, at the plane? And and um, I, I called my office and I told him, man, can you check something out? I think a plane just hit the World Trade Center. And the guy's looking. And I, I'm saying that to him. This freaking thing just fly up Fifth Avenue and hit the second building. And once you, that second building, got hit by a plane, you knew something mm-hmm. something was going on. And my sister worked near the the, M, the um, Empire State. I told her, look, a plane just hit. Maybe I thought maybe there was more plane. Maybe it was going to hit the Empire State building. They were going to hit the Chrysler building. God knows if there was like bombs now on the street. You just didn't know because this was like an attack, man. And then you hear about the the plane hitting the Pentagon, and you hear about it. It was like chaotic, but I'll never forget those were like 
some of the worst day ever, man. Like it was very like it was almost like everything was closed down. The only things that were open were like Korean delis were the only thing open. Yeah. You could go to a Korean store and dine. It's Greek dine and Korean that but everybody else was closed. And man, well, it it was so crazy. It was so chaotic. It was um it was like, you know, and um being in these villages at the time and being so close to that, it was like, wow, man, and 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 um you can even smell like like the smell was coming, like the smell, whatever. It, it was it was bad, man. It was really bad. And um, you know what? Um, those towers went down. Those people died. But um, it was a it was a very. It took me a, like six seven months to realize what happened, just because you know you shut yourself down for that moment, and then it's like one day you look up and you're like, what the hell happened? Yeah, it was crazy, man. It was like. Yeah, man, it was an attack. It was an attack on our country. Right. I've uh, I remember waking up early that morning. I'd just gotten off uh, a bar shift, and I think I got home about uh, four o'clock. And all of a sudden, my dad's calling me at like eight thirty or whatever time it was, and he said, "Turn on your TV." And I said, "What channel?" And he goes, "Doesn't matter." And okay, what am I looking for? And he goes, "Well, one World Trade Tower is on fire, and the other one, or one World Trade Tower fell down, and the other one's on fire." And I turn, I'm sitting there watching the uh, watching TV, and I'm thinking this is a movie. Yeah, I I my, I couldn't grasp uh, for a long time that how this is actually happening. It, it looked like an action movie to me, but for the people that were actually there, it had to be more surreal. When that when the second tower came down first, and um and all I could think seeing that thing because it, it it collapsed like the perfect like if it was a perfect um. Like a construction, like if it was a construction, the thing just went down like that. Yeah. And you know what's the second thing that like I didn't even think it is? Jesus Christ, there's people in there. Yeah. Like you know what the thing is happening so fast that you're not even thinking about that? Mm-hmm. And you like you're thinking now like, Jesus Christ, how many people got just died? Like it could have been ten thousand people. It could have been if if they would have caught if they would have hit later, they probably could have God forbid that attack would have happened in the afternoon. Yeah, they would have killed a lot more people. Oh yeah, after the World Trade Towers were attacked, I had to go bartend that night. It was my shift, and I kind of assumed that business would be slow that night because everybody in the world, or in the at least in the United States, is scared. And everybody, I was right. Everybody stayed home. They were glued to their TVs watching CNN. Uh, but I did have some people that came into my bar that were angry. They, uh, you know, angry, scared. And I kind of took that as, um, okay, I'm the guy that's got to bring a little bit of brightness back into their life because, uh, you know, these guys are getting about to get a little bit out of control. And uh, did you work that night? Let me tell you, um, not only did I work, I winded up staying in the ball overnight because what else to do? Yeah. So nothing else to do. Just stay there, drink, hang out. Nothing was open, and the people that came by, I remember giving water bottles to people that just would fill with ashes mm-hmm. from the burn, and they just they were just getting away. And it, dude, it, you know what? To this day, I still like. I I, I still remember um, the first thing that came on TV a week after nine eleven, which was um, Friday Night SmackDown. I'm a huge wrestling fan. Mm-hmm. And I never forget the promo JBL cut 
but we need to put a hole somewhere. We need to do the dishes of the United States of America. And I just remember, and I met the guy for the first time like two weeks ago in a wrestling convention. I told him that speech that you did was one of the greatest speeches. And you know why? At that moment, you were, you, you said there was, there was a unity in the United States. There were American flags everywhere. Yeah. The country was very united. Um, it got to the point that Russia shut down the defense system if you wanted to actually knock somebody out or nuke somebody. That's how crazy it was. Think, think about that. Yeah. And um you know what? There was a lot of um there was a lot of pride and you know what and people helping out people, people that you never think were helping each other. It, it was a unity that um in a way we kinda lost in the United States the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. we kinda need like we 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 we're united. We're at the greatest country in the world. There's nobody better than the Americans where we're united. But with all the weird stuff that's going on and separation, not vaccine, vaccine and all the crap, it's like what what the hell? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I agree. I mean, uh one guy was going off on me a couple of weeks ago saying that uh the government was uh, injecting trackers in uh, in you. That's the reason why everybody's getting the COVID virus, or uh, that's for the COVID vaccine. And I uh, I said, you think they're injecting trackers in your arm? You carry a cell phone, <laughs> and they don't need to put a tracker in you. <laughs> Once you have a cell phone, they know everything. They got they got you everything. You know, it's like you you know who probably got the best. You know who probably know got the most information argue that anybody else that you won't even realize there's two people that got all your information amazon and facebook amazon can track your buying pattern they know what you're going to get they know how you think they do this and that and facebook got all your family your friends your pictures mm-hmm. and yeah <laughs> you're being tracked already it's a very <laughs> different way yeah you know uh, yeah, when I told him you've got a cell phone and his face kind of dropped because he wanted to argue about it but he's Damn it, he's right. <laughs> it's like I have big, I have big customer coming to my oh I have a cell phone, but nobody knows what I'm doing. Like yeah, you're like it's like you're that important. You're another. You're a number. You're a nobody. Get over it. Man. Mm. It's like these people are like out of their mind. <laughs> me, I don't care. You want to track me? Track me. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, I've got nothing important in my life that or yeah. that I need to keep secret. But so being a bartender for 25 years. Uh, you said that you've, you've already told me that you've had the same, uh, you've had regulars that have followed you for the last, uh, for most of your career. Yeah. How, how do you manage that? That that's, that's a pretty big deal. Let me tell you, I, so I moved from bar to bar, even once in a while, well, one of them that I moved somewhere else that wind up walking to a bar that I want, Hey Rob, are you working here? And that's really take. Then they all tell their friends and, Cause I got like when I worked, I got like this group of um, I don't really want to throw them, but I got this group of guys that they've been following me all the time. They they work in this in the industry and they always come see me. And I've been to like, Eddie, I went from one bar to another bar. They always find me. (laughs) I've probably been serving them for fifteen years. The same group of guys. Yeah. And they come every day. They 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 drink between twenty to thirty dollars. And they each take between 10 to 20 bucks. So, you know, you, you know how you're going to make, like I can pretty much count. I know how much I'm going to make in a week. So it's pretty good when you could do it like that. I know how much I'm going to ring. I know the register, you all know, already know, this is how much he does. Stephen Malone, blah, blah, blah. And that's it. And then I get a lot of new regulars, especially when you work in these videos, you're creating new regulars 
every year. Right. You know why? Because the new group of college kids coming every year, or graduate, oh. or so every four year, every year you get new new clientele, and those people that went to college they wind up staying here working and then become your regulars. You know, I know guys that were that they used to come in the ball. They were trying to sneak in when they were eighteen. I say no, you got you got three more years before you can come here. And they they regulars like college kid. I see people get married. It's, it's crazy. I see regulars that used to come with me and then they passed away going to funeral. It's, it's like a who's who. You'd be shocked how through the years and how you see, um, again, like I said, the evolution of bar, you get this customer and the customer follow you to the point that you see him get married, divorced, have kids. And it's like, they're almost like a weird part of your family. Yeah. You know they're not, but they told, they show you everything. It's, 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 it's funny. I always think of like Monday, it's always a weird day. In a bar, because Monday can always can be a bad or can be a good day. What I notice about Monday, all the guys that they they only see they they haven't seen each other all weekend. So on Monday they all come in to gossip about the wife, or change pictures, or, or complain about the wives, or whatever the hell they do. But it's pretty funny. It's like it's like a boys club over. You yeah, know? yeah. And these guys just complain about the wives. I'm like Jesus, what's going on with you guys? <laughs> I never heard so many people talk about their wives. It's like, but they still go home to them. But it's like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's every relationship. I mean, you get you earn the right to complain about it a little bit, but uh, yeah. Uh, and it's good to have good friends because uh, bartenders have to hear those stories majority of the time if the person comes in. And it's, ah, oh, my wife, you know, bought $300 worth of stuff on Amazon and I only have $200 in the <laughs> bank. And then, but, uh, you know, uh, you get to hear all those stories, I'm sure. But uh, when you got a group of guys that uh, hang out together, that kind of takes the pressure off you a little bit, though. Oh yeah, and yeah, I what well, the first thing, the one thing I learned how to bartend is half of these guys are lonely, don't have many friends. So what I did, I I introduced everybody to each other. Anytime he comes, oh, this is Bob. He does that. He does that. that. And they all became friends to the point that I don't have to entertain them that much. So I got to serve them. Yeah. You know, it's the auto bartender. Make everybody friends. Everybody know each other. All you got to do is serve, drink, and smile once in a while. You tell them a funny story. or You tell them something. You keep entertaining. And they keep coming back, you know. A good drink, a good pour. And uh, people will come and see you, man. It's like, it's like you're, you know what? There's one thing about the bar business. When you're, when you're behind a bar, Everybody wants what's behind you. Exactly. Which is the booze. Yeah. You're selling the only legal drug in the United States. <laughs> yeah. Because, hey, alcohol can, you can black out of alcohol. I never smoked a joint of blacked out. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, because uh, a lot of more dangerous things can happen with alcohol than uh, with marijuana. But, uh, uh, but, like, cigarettes and alcohol are the two legal drugs and we have yeah. to have well it back when i used to bartend we had both of them behind the bar you know you want to pack a cigarette oh, we're, yeah. we're gonna overcharge you for it but here you go <laughs> yeah i remember when um when, when i started they had the uh, cigarette machines you know those machines that you would pull the yeah. thing and then the the the, the cigarette drop we used to have that and that was that was like you know what that was those machines sometimes make as much money as the freaking uh that's the booze because people were people were drinking and smoking and going in there getting packed and packed. 
I remember that in the one bar, there was a cigarette machine that used to make over $2,000 a week on cigarettes. Jeez. And you would pack it every day. Uh-huh. This is how people were smoking. And, 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 and you remember, there were smoking bars. You were smoking and people people tend to drink chain smoke, chain smoke, mm-hmm. get another pack. People did not care. It was very, but I remember working and going home and I'd smell like a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever get complaints from family or your girlfriend or anything like that? That she's. Can I tell you something? I don't smoke. Yeah. I never smoke cigarettes. Yeah. So I think I smoke enough to those people. But that, yeah, <laughs> like my girlfriend, when I would come home, she'd say, God, you smell like a chimney. And she was a smoker. <laughs> and she'd say, Your clothes. And I remember getting the smell out of the clothes. I would have to go to laundry and like put the best detergent. That smell will be with you for a while, man. Oh, yeah. People don't realize the cigarette smell. Like it's like, whoa. Oh yeah. Oh, I, I, uh, I've been a smoker longer than I should have been. Uh, I'm kind of taking the steps too slow to uh, to try to quit smoking. But uh, yeah, I that I bartended back in the time where you could smoke behind the bar because you were the only person in the restaurant. You you had, didn't really have a chance to take a break, but. Uh, yeah. Also, I was one of those careless bartenders that dumped the ashtray, didn't realize there was still a cherry in there, and all of a sudden, a little fire starts. <laughs> you, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty amazing how... I really thought that um, when they banned smoke, I thought it was going to hurt the bar industry because now you got to go outside. Man, but the first the first couple of years where they did that, the complaints, you were here. Why can I smoke in a bar? What can I do this? Oh my God. It was like a few years of shut up. There's no more smoke in a bar. Leave it alone. It was insane when they first did that. And you would think people like, oh, the bars are going to lose. But no, people still want to drink and people are going outside smoking. So, yeah. But now the new problem was with everybody going out and smoking, let's say you had 20 people in the bar that would smoke, they would all be out smoking outside. Now you got noise complaint because everybody's outside smoking. Yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, going outside, that uh, that seems to be the uh, ev- the norm for everybody. There, you know, I'll just go outside. See you later. But yeah. uh, did you have to watch them make sure they didn't take their drinks outside or anything like that? Or oh yeah, you got to watch. You had to watch that for a while. It was, it was crazy. But the, the the good thing about international, so we have a backyard, so you can smoke in our backyard. Oh, okay, that's even that's more convenient. Yeah. So a lot of people come to international because, you know what, they can go smoke in the backyard and take the drink. But in the beginning, people would, like, grab their beer and go, and then they would, oh, no, you got to come back in, man. It's like, can't take a drink out, you know? But a lot of people, and you know what, some people didn't meant to do it, but when you're drinking, what happens? Yeah, you forget. You're not thinking. Yeah. You forget. Yeah. You know, and, and you just got to know how to deal with people, you know, be polite, tell hey, you Hey, can you bring that back? You can't take that. I also they're like whatever, but that, that after a while people got used to it, and it was amazing that, like how people could get trained to do little things like that. Like after a while, they just trained. And so now that you don't even get that, you don't even a person will never think of just grabbing a drink or outside smoking. Now in New York, you can because you got all these outdoor structure because of the pandemic. Right. So now you can actually take you can take your drink and go outside. Nobody will say anything. Yeah. Um. I was uh, actually, it was uh, one of my guests on the show. He, uh, he said that uh, they started putting tables out front and, or, and actually one person brought a couch and left it out front. So, uh, so that everybody could hang out and smoke cigarettes, drink and be at the bar and Bluetooth speaker wars, you know, who, who gets to play what music, but <laughs> uh, yeah, it's pretty funny. 
but during the pandemic, I do remember uh, seeing pictures in New York where they extended their outdoor dining out to the street. Yeah. Uh, and uh, did you did you have to do that? Yeah, we did that. Like we got a structure outside. So what we have outside, we got about six tables outside, right? So we got we got like each we and then we got like three three like like a it's like a, almost like a cubicle kind of thing, but it's on the street. Yeah. And and we got like one one cubicle got a table and four four chair. The other one a table four chair table. Then we got three tables in the front with two chairs. So people go there, they drink. And then we also have the backyard. So a lot of people sit in the backyard. So now it's actually good because now we got the front yard and the backyard. And it's actually pretty good. The problem is, it's great that everybody got these outdoor spaces. What the hell happened to parking? Yeah. yeah let's parking now. Yeah. yeah. When I saw uh, the pictures that I saw that they were, uh, they were taking up the parking spots in front of the restaurants. And I was sitting there, and my first thought was, "Well, where do the customers park now? Are there parking garages all over the place?" And or you know what, you either you got to now to find parking, it's rough. Like if you live in New York City, you're looking for parking, you could drive around for an hour without even finding a parking spot. It's, it's insane because mm. everybody did it, you know. Yeah. And then you got some businesses that closed during the pandemic. But the structure is still out there. Now it's an eyesore. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, man. It's just it's wild to see New York with all these outdoor areas. And even when I went to Jersey, they have all these outdoor areas. It's like, wow, man, look at this. It's, it's just so weird seeing these outdoor. Do you guys in, te- in Texas? You live in Texas, right? Yeah. You know, I live in West Texas. Do you guys do the same thing outdoor? Um, uh no, everything's pretty much back to normal out here. The servers and the bartenders still have to wear masks, but they don't uh throw that at the uh the patrons anymore. But uh everybody you there's dining inside now. There's uh we Texas has been fighting the whole pandemic thing and mask wearing thing. They've been fighting it tooth and nail. And Yeah. But uh yeah, everything's close to normal as possible uh, pre-pandemic right about now and uh, the restaurants that I've been to the yeah the waitress will come up and she'll she'll still be wearing a mask um but the restaurant I went to she was wearing a mask and not much else but that we don't need to talk about that right now but uh that's not a bad thing yeah. <laughs> <Was it Hooters? laughs> I, actually it was a bar called Twin Peaks but uh oh oh I, I I've seen those is that the that's the one with um the girls wear like those um Scottish uh, skirts. Yeah, yeah. And they all got like they got yeah. they got theme nights. Some nights they have like lumberjack wear dress like lumberjacks or whatever. Yeah. I'll tell you a funny story. The only reason I know about this bar because a friend of mine has a uh, a, a little people wrestling organization called Micro Wrestling. Oh yeah. And I think they went to Twin Peaks and they wrestled. Like uh, they <laughs> they had a show right there, and all the all the little people went to drink and the, the guy took a picture of one of the girls from there. I'm like, wow! Because <laughs> they go through the whole United States. They also have a, they got a place called a Micro Arena that's in Pigeon Forge. Mm-hmm. And it's very entertaining. They're little guys that wrestle and they're fantastic. Yeah. Uh, uh, I've never I've never seen that before, but uh, yeah, that's... Oh my God. Uh, go on my, go, go, I think I got some pictures on Instagram. Go check them out. They, 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 they're athletes, man. Those guys fly. Oh, they're yeah. pretty good athletes. <laughs> but, 
but uh, yeah, I, the Texas has gone back to as normal. A lot of businesses lost uh, were lost in West wow. Texas. Uh, a lot of restaurants closed because uh, they weren't able to keep up with their paying their bills while doing takeout food, and a lot of servers quit and never came back. Uh, but there, it's been a slow rebuild uh, still. But the corp, uh, the corporations are still around because they've got the money. But yeah. the small businesses, unfortunately, didn't make it. Wow. Like, um, it, it's funny. Like You talk about even in New York City, people are struggling to find bartender servers to come work with. A lot of, a lot of, you know what happened to a lot of bartenders? They, they got another career. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of bartenders and servers started doing other things. Yeah. Yeah, because there was a bunch of bartenders here that when New York went to that, they moved out. They they moved out of New York and went somewhere else. And it's crazy. I went to, like, for Cinco de Mayo, I went to uh, Fort Lauderdale. And I guess in Fort Lauderdale, it was like nothing was happening. Oh. No bad. Nothing. It was insane. It was like, <laughs> oh, my God. It was insane. Nothing. You didn't yeah. have to wear a mask. There was no mask mandate. Nobody, and everybody was there, top of each other, hanging out. And you know, you look at a place like that, and then you look at you look at people that have died or how this thing. Because this virus is, it's just the numbers don't meet up for the all this closure that they did. And and I've got vaccinated. I already got my booster shot. I've been vaccinated. You know what? Cause, you know what? When I was a kid, in order to go to school, I had to be vaccinated. Right. So I wouldn't have chicken pop. I didn't have miso. I wouldn't get sick. I get a flu. Sh- I work in a bar business. And I get a flu shot every year because I, I don't want to get sick. Right. <laughs> and then, so I'm used to that. To me, I, I don't find it any big deal. You know what? Just hit me. There's people here shooting up hell when they don't want to get the vaccine. <laughs> Think about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I won't get it. Uh, I won't get high off a vaccine. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> It's like it's like I just don't get it. It's like you know what? It, it, it is what it is. If the if the if the thing works, it works. If it doesn't, whatever. It is give people some kind of fighting chance, you know? Because yeah, we got to get back to normal, man. Our economy is not meant to shut down like that. Like yeah. we almost crippled the country shutting down for that long. Oh yeah, yeah. I got vaccinated too, uh, and the people at my current job. One, uh, I'm the only person in my office of. Uh, 10 people that's been vaccinated all the others are fighting it as long as they possibly can and one guy I when I came to work and I said I got vaccinated this weekend uh, one guy looked at me and nice knowing you and I'm like what the hell <laughs> you know my choice to do it you know I just didn't care I just did it because you know what it was going to get to the point that they were going to make you do it anyway so I'm just going to do it now and I also thought maybe working in the bar business, I should do it because I also don't want to get my other. And I just didn't want to wear the stupid mask anymore. Right. So I got vaccinated to not wear the mask. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's talk about a, a couple of happy things here. Now, you since you yeah. your career has spanned so many th- uh, so many years, do you have a moment in your career that stands out that uh, makes you smile every time you think about it? That. It's just something fun that happened. To me, me the best was uh, working in Cheap Shot was always the best because it was like a family. We we all used to, like, hang out. We all went to Vegas together. We always had a good time. And and I'll never forget one day a friend of mine, he's at the bar. And um, 
he goes to me, Rob, are you closing at four o'clock? Yeah, we close. I got about four strippers. Uh, I guess we're staying open a little later. (laughs) (laughs) I can tell you that hockey table, we had an air hockey table. There was sex on the air hockey table (laughs) once or twice a week at that hockey table, that Uh, air hockey table. (laughs) So I used to tell the porter, make sure you clean that good. It was so, it was. It was so scandalous. The stuff we would do there, the, like the drinking, the after hours. We we had a really good time in that place. It was fantastic, all the stuff we would do. And I lived around the corner for me, so it was easy to go. You know, my commute was, let me wake up and go around the corner, open up the bar. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that's got to be nice. But um, You know? When you when you work with a good family atmosphere, you don't. it doesn't feel like work anymore. Uh, no, yeah. Yeah, that's that's got to be a good feeling. Uh, um, uh, like an international now, it's like that. The people that have been working there, we've all been working there now maybe six, seven years. It's the same staff. Mm. So nobody really leaves. So when somebody tries to get a job there, we're like, people stop asking for a job there because it's the same people <laughs> working there. We've all been working there for over eight years or nine years. Some people have been there 15 so. How do you get a job there? Somebody either got to leave or they change career. That's the only time, the only time somebody leaves the international. Yeah. Well, or, they, or, or they get fired. Or, But when you bring somebody in new, uh, is I, I, I unfortunately was part of a crew. We all got together. We were family. Uh, but when we brought somebody in new, there was almost a hazing process. Sometimes not, not full on practical jokes or pushing them around or anything like that. But uh, if all of a sudden my servers or uh, other my coworkers decided they didn't like that one particular person, they did what they could to run them out. The, oh yeah, that, that's that's something that always happened in the business. <laughs> Let's run this person out. It's like um, I can I can tell you something like um, Christina. So interesting. I saw Christina. She worked in this bar that we will mention. But Christina worked in this bar, and I, and um. Yeah, she uh, you, um, she said the same thing when I talked to her. She said, "Well, I worked in a bar that we won't talk about." <laughs> yeah, so I I told her, "You're not happy here. Let me tell you something. Go to Doc Holiday. Go talk to Joanna. Tell Joanna you're my friend, and you're gonna be much happier, and you're gonna have a good career. You're gonna make money." Mm-hmm. She went there. Joanna interviewed her. She did a few, and guess what? Seven years later, she's still there. Yeah. And she's paying her student loans, she's making money. You know, it's a little rough, so they were closed for a year for the pandemic, but they reopened and they're doing good right now. But I told her, you're going to be happy, and guess what? She did it, and she's happy. There's a lot of times that I see bartender working, and I know enough people, owners and stuff, that I can put a little recommendation. But people trust me. A lot of people, sometimes people are looking for somebody for a job, and they say, Rob, you know anybody? Oh, this person works here, that guy might work for you, or this girl might work now, most of the people that I knew, they have left because the industry was dead for like, like almost two years. Yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, she told me that you suggested to her to go work at Docs and, or Doc Holidays. And yeah. uh, I thought that was the coolest thing because I've had friends also that, uh, like, I got fired uh, from a job. Then all of a sudden, they're, uh, I get a call from a friend saying, look, they need a bartender over in this place. Or another friend call me. Hey, we just got an opening. Get your ass over here right now. That is one of the really cooler things that a lot of bartenders that know each other will help the other bartender out. To, uh, and that's 
completely awesome that you did that. Uh, you do that for a friend. Yeah, because I also because I not only got no bartender, I, like I'm I'm good with a lot of um, like the suppliers. I'm friendly with the, my my Budweiser rep been the same rep for 25 years. Chris Maris, I know Chris Maris, and he always tell me, oh, if you want a job here, this place hire you. You know anybody looking for a job? I also, I'm, I'm good with the liquor reps. I'm good with the beer reps. I got like a reputation with these reps that, you know, if they want to, let's say if you wanted to get a product in a certain bar, I could go talk to the owner. Hey, give this guy a chance. Let him bring his product here, like a new beer. You know, this industry is about giving people a chance to see what they can do. Like, let's say you'll make a beer called, hey, bartender beer, and, and you come, Rob Rossi, can you get this beer for me? I will do the favor, all right, I'll take your beer. And then I want to go to another. Oh, I just took this beer. This guy's a good guy. He'll help him out. He'll do spam. He'll come here. He'll give you promos. And that's the way the the industry works. You know, you everybody got to promote each other, help each other. And um, like you say, you can be home like me. The with the the one time my by the place that I worked at close, I didn't work for a few months, and I get a phone call. Hey, Rob, are you looking for a job? I'm like, not really. But we got an opening. You want to come here? And I winded up working for these guys for like eight to eight, nine years, you know? Yeah. That's that's the way it is. Yeah. It, uh, it, the camaraderie between bartenders and servers is, uh, has always really impressed me. And not to mention a couple of the bartenders in New York City referred to as the hotline, the text messages when, hey, this guy's really drunk. Uh, oh, yeah. Be careful. He's heading your direction. Be careful. Or uh, are you part of that hotline that everybody like Christina was talking about it? And yeah, there's a lot of time where if somebody's giving like fake bills or somebody got eighty six or somebody like 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 anytime somebody's out giving fake hundred, like pretty much there's a tax and everybody sends it to each other. Oh, this guy, somebody will get a picture. This guy don't take his money. Like the um, somebody gave. Boogie, I think, uh, not too long ago, a hundred dollar bill, and then he noticed, oh man, the guy gave you a hundred dollar tip, but the bill's so good. It was like, oh man, <laughs> this is the kind of stuff that people have. That, that it happens, you know. People always like if anybody come in there and they want, hey, um, let me buy ginger ale, hundred. I always look at, it, I touch, I mean, ah, this is not good here, mm. and I'll give it back to them, and they just leave, you know, because you you get with money, you can touch the money. Like when you deal with money so much, just by the touch, you already know if it's good or bad. Yeah. You know, uh-huh. like, I, I count money all the time, like, well, cash. But the, the, here's the other thing that's changed in the industry. Remember when the bar industry used to be a cash business? Yeah. yeah. No more cash. It's very low cash. It's all credit cards. Yeah. Credit card, Every- credit card, credit card. Everybody's or using Venmo. their debit cards nowadays, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or Apple Pay. Like, I, I never thought I'd see a day. There's people that come and pay their tab with Apple Pay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still getting used to that. I mean, there's so many businesses out here that will take Apple Pay or even just using the card reader chip, not swiping it or anything like that. That even throws me off. But, you know, I'm 45, and so I'm still used to set to my old ways. But (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm 48. I'll be 49 December 15th. Well, happy birthday. You know, I'm I'm up there. <laughs> Fifty years old, I'm still bartending. How long can I do this for? <laughs> <laughs> well, I did a I did a little bit of research uh, during October, and I ran across a bar. I was doing haunted bars and restaurants for TikTok, and uh, I ran across one bar where they ha- have the official oldest bartender in America that works there. And I th- I think they said he was like 93. 
or something like that. And what was it, Holland Bar Dock? <laughs> a what? What was it? A bar, Holland Bar in New York City? A guy named Doc that's been working forever. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember right now because uh, uh, I was just flipping through pages looking for ghost stories. It all depends on you, pretty much. I mean, if you want to stick around, how long you want to stick around in the bar business, and there's certain opportunities. Some some bars won't hire people that are too old because they want a young atmosphere. Uh, but you sound like you have a great home right now, so I don't think you're going to have a problem. Oh no, no, and um, and you know what? I have evolved also with uh, with, with bartending. You know, you, it's a when people go there, it's a party atmosphere. You got to show people a good time, make them laugh. It's like me, like that. It's like I, I bust a lot of balls when I'm there. So there's certain customers that they come and they just need to they they come there for the abuse. Yeah. Shut up, you idiot! You're a horrible human being. This is that. And one of the customers goes to me, you know what? I like it when you abuse me. Well, you give it to somebody else. I, I enjoy it. When <laughs> somebody else is enjoy it. Like, you it's, it's like, it's like, it's like, it's amazing. Like, um, I do a lot of pools. Like, I do the football pools. Like, you know, you got the 13 run. You got the football pools. You got all kind of pools. And, um. I do a lot of pools, and I'm like, it's almost being like a bookie. I got to take the money, this and that. It's okay. Like the Monday rollover pool, the NCAA tournament. I don't know if you ever done pools, but it's, a, it's like another job also where you bartend, you're also doing that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we Not so much in uh, Oregon. Uh, we did uh, the 33 pool. We we used to do that one a lot. but uh, yeah. And we also had people come in and do like fantasy football. But yeah. uh, in Oregon, if you got caught – doing gambling and stuff like that, you got in big trouble. But <laughs> it's, it's not gambling, it's points, remember. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever look at it, if you ever go to New York Boy, two hundred points three hundred what the hell is this about? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's funny in New York in New York, even um they always there like football pools and stuff like that fly. Because mm. even cops buy Pools and stuff. Cause they, I don't know if you heard in New York City, there was this um, bar in Staten Island that used to have the $1 million NCAA pool. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah. $1 million somebody went. And this one guy won, right? Yeah. And he told his wife, she won. She she called, she actually said, we got to put this in our taxes because you got this money. You know, after she did that, a couple of days later, the bar gets shut down by the big liquor authority. Yeah, you should have kept that quiet. You just killed your favorite. <laughs> just... And this poor guy, like, he just he just messed up the guy's watering hole, and now you got to report this money mm. that you won in cash. Yeah, it, which is untraceable. Then you didn't have to report it technically. <laughs> yeah, that. Why you think a lot of people? It's like almost it's like if you ever go to like uh, Vegas or anything under five hundred bucks, you don't have to report. Right. Once you hit like a thousand or something, you know, they give you the W two here <laughs> and you gotta pay. But other than that, under 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 six hundred dollars, under five hundred dollars, you're good. Yeah. And you don't have to say anything. <laughs> so Yeah. But um let's talk about uh the stuff you do on the side now. You've got a podcast and Yeah, uh, it's called um, Getting Lumped Up with uh Rob Rossi. Mm-hmm. And my podcast is interesting. I got, I have three shows that I do. That I, it's actually for, because I do the uh, freak show, which is comic books, movie, 
like like it's like it's like hot topic. What's going on now? We talk about wrestling. We talk about like do you watch the Avengers? Do you watch the new Beatles documentary? Like we talk about everything there. Then I have a show where we talk about old school rock band. Like I have interview uh, Mike Skill from the Romantic, Glenn Maddox from the Sex Pistols. I have a bunch of guests that I have interviewed on that. And then I got a conspiracy show that I do with my friend. And conspiracy show, very weird. Like we go, like we talk about giants, we talk about ancient animals, we talk about uh, Atlantis. And um, I have a good friend that he got a, if you ever want to talk to this guy, this guy he's not a bartender, but he's a fascinating a guy named Bob um, Bob Hicks. He got it um, called Tales from the Dark. It's a great, it's a great, it's a great thing. But that guy will tell you stuff that will make your hair stand up. Like, <laughs> very kidding. But he's a great guy. His podcast is really, is really good. And um, um, I also get, I always got to get Boogie a shout out. Boogie lives. Everybody Boogie gives Boogie, Boogie a shout out. You know, you if you're from... Boogie a shout out. <laughs> Why didn't you give me a shout out? Because he doesn't even give me a shout out. Boogie lives. <laughs> Boogie lives. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, he, he sends me, he's been supporting my podcast since pretty much the beginning. And, uh, I, there are times where I'm sitting there thinking he's just sending me emails, messages and stuff. So I'll give him a shout out on the next episode. And I'm like, dude, I just talked about you on the last episode, <laughs> but, yeah. but he's cool as hell. I mean, uh, and, uh, actually Christina just sent me a picture that he was wearing the Hey Bartender podcast t-shirt in the, uh, at Doc Holidays just the other night. So awesome. You know? <laughs> Oh, there. That's good. Good. Yeah, because I got T-shirts too. I got. I saw my T-shirt on ProWrestlingT.com. I also got the T-shirt um, Bonafide. Because I, I don't really want to have T-shirts. I just I just send somebody to a rank, you buy the shirt, and I get a percentage of whatever shirt you yeah. buy. You yeah. know, because it's too hard. Like you have to get shirts, and now you got to mail them out. It's like it's a nightmare already. Oh. <laughs> Me personally, I keep some on hand uh, to send to guests on the show. Or if I happen to be in a uh, area where I think uh, uh, this person, you know, could really help me, or when I develop connections or stuff like that, I'll give, I'll have like swag in a bag with me, not necessarily just t-shirts, but uh, yeah. like I've got a Hey Bartender podcast uh, uh, challenge coin. One side says I'm buying, the other side says you're buying. Uh, it's really oh, that's pretty good. It's really just a poker chip because I can't afford uh, an actual coin, but. Yeah, that's, that's actually pretty good. But um, so, uh, uh, is that uh, your your podcast? Is that like uh, just to kill time in between shifts, or is it a passion or side hustle? It's just something that I've been doing for. Um, I've been doing this for three years. I'm, I'm still not really making money on it, you know. Like I make a few bucks here, but nothing serious. Like 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 you got some advertising when I heard your podcast. You got a um, man cave or the, yeah. Um, they're not the paying me yet. Uh, I'm the I'm they're not paying me yet. I'm still on trial. Uh, uh, they put me on a one month trial to see how well how many people I bring to their business. And they they do like 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 the one thing that uh, you ever heard of blue uh, blue chew. I yeah I've heard that on various podcasts yeah. It's like dick pills. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm it's like, Viagra. I'm not going to yeah. <laughs> know that. What I'd rather do, what I'd rather do with, um, if I'm going to get sponsored, I'm, I'm, what I really want to do is get like local businesses mm -hmm. so they can get people from the neighborhood because I got a lot of people from the neighborhood come through. So I'd rather get a local business charging like 100 bucks a, a month and I'll save their name and I'll put it on the website, you know, mm -hmm. and, and just show their name like that because 
Well, after we talk, I'm probably going to put links so people can uh, hit you on my show if they want to hear another podcast. So, you know, um, I, I have no problem. You know, we're a community also. We got to help each other out. How are we going to get bigger? Every show works with each other. Hey, go listen to this guy. Go listen to that one. And, and, and that's the way it works, man. You get a community just like bartender, you know? Yeah, absolutely. All the podcasters are actually really cool about helping each other out. And uh, I've been slowly operating. I've only made maybe a couple dollars. My I don't sell any swag, uh, really. But uh, I've made a couple dollars uh, when I really needed it for some reason from a couple advertisers. But it's... You know, it's uh, prog- progressing. I mean, not everybody can get Joe Rogan's numbers right away and, you know, uh, start advertising things, and uh, really big things and make a lot of money. But the part about being staying consistent and just keeping at it, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. I enjoy the hell out of doing this. So uh, it's, it's really, you know, one of those things where it doesn't feel like work. It just feels like I'm getting to know something, somebody new. Yeah, that's that's the way I so I've been doing it for three years and I put like every 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 week I put at least two, three episodes up. And then I put episodes up on my YouTube channel. The same thing, getting lumped up. Mm. I got my YouTube channel. I got the uh, I got the uh, the website. So it, it it's a work in progress. It's everything it's a work in progress and then uh we've been hitting numbers. We actually do pretty good. Like we were um in the US entertainment chart, we were mm. um two hundred and three. Oh, wow. You know, in Sweden, in Sweden, we hit, for some reason, I have no idea in Sweden, we're like, we were like in the top 50 twice, like, people mm-hmm. in Sweden just love, but they like that, that rock show, they like the rock show, they like the old history of American rock and roll, rock and, rock and roll bands, and um, we just talked about Buddy Hardy, it was the last guy we did, we talked about the Beach Boys, so I put a show every every week about a certain band and their history and how they made it and their hits. And we, we, we tell a story and we build it up like, um, but now I'm changing format. So this starting, um, actually started today. I got to put, I'm going to be putting on one conspiracy show, uh, and one rock show every other week. And then the freak show, wherever I get freak John, he's the guy with the Mohawk. I don't know if you saw my advertising, the guy with the Mohawk. I, I don't <laughs> think I saw that, but yeah. Yeah, so he he he's part of the show. Uh, well, I think I got I got I got I think I got the shirt here. If you ever seen this guy, he has one hell of a mohawk. The freak. Oh wow! Yeah, that's a hell of a mohawk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then the shirt says "lumped up." Nice. My shirt pretty. My shirt is pretty much. It's like a, It's like it's like the Obama picture, but it says beer. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well. If you can see behind me, my my flag, that's what my T-shirts look like. But Yeah, so I, I, I love that whole thing, that, hey, Mark, you got a song. You got a theme song also. Yeah, um, Laura Hope and the Arctones. Uh, back early episodes of the Hey Bartender podcast, I used to feature music, musical guests, try to get the independent artists, give them a little bit of airplay and stuff like that. Uh, in the middle of the pandemic, I stopped receiving emails back from them when I would ask them, hey, can I use your song on my show? Because I didn't want to upset anybody, burn any bridges, you know, but, uh, I stopped doing music for, it's been a while now, but I ran across Laura Hope and the Arctones because I'm a sucker for rockabilly. And, uh, I asked her about, uh, can I use this song? Uh, it was called uh, fast, cheap and well done for my show. And she said, yeah, go ahead. 
by the way, we also have a song called Dr. Bartender, if you're interested. And I listened to it, and I thought, this will make an awesome theme song. And she as and she has been nothing but awesome to me about letting me use it for a theme song. And I promote her as often as I possibly can. And thanks because I don't have the money to pay her for the rights to use the song really. But yeah, it, she, Dr. Bartender seemed to work really well as a, uh, as a theme song for the show. And I'm always really happy. I get to use it. Wow. Yeah. That's very cool. I, I had a guy named, I don't know if you ever heard my show, but the rock show, we got a guy named Vinny that he just, he like put the he did like a Johnny Cash um, song and it's pretty funny that it's on the rock show. <laughs> so this guy did it like in one day and sent me the thing. So he made my he made my theme song and then I got like he made some other beats for some of the other songs, you know, mm-hmm. for some of the other shows. So every show got like a separate theme song. So, you know, when you watch it a show, you already know which show it is because they got the different theme songs. Yeah. Um- yeah, I thought about trying to write my own theme song, but I, I was just after a while I was like, I can't know. Uh, it's is uh, I don't think I can write something good enough to make me happy because I can play drums, guitar, bass, piano. Uh, wow! Uh, but I was just like, I can't think of anything that I would like that would be good for a theme song, you know. But my I set my standards a little bit too high too. <laughs> yeah. Me, I can't play no instrument, but I know how to eat a drumstick. <laughs> <laughs> You're awesome, man. Uh, uh, anyway, we're coming up on the uh, the end of the interview, so uh, yeah. why don't you take this opportunity uh, to tell people how to get a hold of you, uh, uh, where they can find you on social media, about your podcast, all that stuff. All right, so if you want to get in touch with me, very simple. You can go on Google and you just put getting lumped up and it's the first thing that pops up. So anytime you go on Google, getting lumped up and there you got my social media, uh, you got my email, um, you get all my stuff so you can get in touch with me. If you got any ideas for a show, you can also come and um, always send me an email because I'm always looking. I'm always looking for new people that maybe want to do a show or do something or talk or just hang out. And um, it's um, getting lumped up with Rod Rossi. Um, I got my little business cards too that you can go in the bar and get these, and I'll give you one. Um, and if you bring me back my card, I'll give you a free drink. <laughs> oh, nice. And you know? and the bar you work at again is. Is the international located at 102 First Avenue, New York, New York, and it's in the East Village. But let me give some other, uh, another bar I go to. I love going Doc Holidays. I'll give a shout out to uh, the Horseshoe Bar, 7B, um, and um, Christina, Nicole, and all my bartenders. And look at this. I love all you guys. And, um, you know, that goes all the plug, man. It was a pleasure, man. It was great. Just, it was like just hanging out, having a drink with you today. Yeah, that, that's what I try to do with the show. So anyway, uh, thank you so much for being a guest on my show. And I know we just kind of skimmed the surface of your career. So you're welcome to come back anytime. Hey, whenever I got something, do you need a guest to fill in? Just give me a call. I'm here for you, brother, you know? Awesome. Thank you. All right, people, it is last call, last call for alcohol. Please remember to leave a tip so I can buy something nice for my niece this year. Big thanks to Rob Rossi for being on the show. Remember, go visit him at the International in the East Village in New York. He, this 
this guy was unbelievably cool. The interview was actually a little bit longer, uh, but I had to cut out a bunch of ands, ums, uh, me stumbling on all over my words. You've probably heard it in various podcasts and edits that I missed, but he was cool as hell to talk to. We talked for like a half hour before the show and for like another half hour to an hour after uh, I hit the stop button. Cool as hell. So go check out his uh, his bar. Go check out his podcast, Getting Lumped Up. And if you do go visit him in uh, the International Bar in uh, East Village, New York, uh, ask him for a margarita and see if he gives you a Corona and a shot of tequila. That that was just funny as hell to me. But anyway, I also want to thank Laura Hope and the Arctones for supplying me with the music for this show. It means a lot to me that you guys uh, let me do that. They've got some shows coming up. Go follow them on Instagram at Laura Hope and the Arctones. They've got some shows coming up. They're opening for Big Bad Voodoo Daddy, which is also very awesome. Uh, big thanks to them. All right, for a second, I've got to appreciate at uh, Boogie Lives on Instagram because, he, like I said during the show, he has been a long, long-time supporter of this show and has gotten me a handful of guests to be on the show, which is uh, very cool. Helps me keep this show going. Remember, guys, if you want to be a part of Hey Bartender Podcast, all you have to do is contact me. You can contact me on uh, the social medias, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. All of those are at Hey Bartender Podcast. If you want to email me direct, dude at heybartenderpodcast.com. As of right now, I'm in the middle of uh, uh, transferring all my uh, podcast episodes to anchor.fm. So uh, things might be a little wonky for a little bit, but everything will get straightened out, including having samples of the shows on the website, www.heybartenderpodcast.com. Uh, I think you still can listen to past episodes, uh, but go check out some of the swag I got on sale there. I got t-shirts, I got challenge coins. Uh, Everything's building up very slowly as I need it. So you support the show. And uh, we'll see what else I can do with this whole thing because I'm having a blast and I don't see me stopping very any uh, very soon. But until next time, ladies and gentlemen, as usual, I just want to wish all of you lots of love, lots of sex, lots of happiness. And remember, don't take any shit from anyone. Good night. What do you mean it's let's go? I just got hit!